Hello. Welcome and thank you for joining us and listening to our podcast, The God Beyond the Bible. Our podcast is released weekly each Friday. The content of each episode is based on the questions and curiosities we all have about God and the Bible. Many of our topics are considered taboo in the minds of the mainstream church. You will find our discussions to be, I think, refreshing and often far from traditional. But we don't just skirt around these complex issues, but confront them head on, and not in the way you're used to hearing them discussed on typical Christian talk shows. I'm Alan Rowland, creator and host of The God Beyond the Bible. As of the launch of this podcast, I've been a pastor for more than 35 years. My co-host is my daughter, Trayson, and our engineer, co-producer, is my daughter, Tabitha. Our mission is to encourage our audience, along with us, to open our minds to the reality that God is simply too big to be fully explored or experienced by the reading and studying of a single ancient work. In short, the Bible's not the sum of God, and to think this is to limit what He has done, is doing, and what He will do in our future. So with introductions made, thank you for listening, and let's dive into the topic of the day. And welcome, Seekers, to episode number 148 of the podcast, God Beyond the Bible, the podcast made by Seekers and for Seekers, and let's go right into our shout-outs. Our shout-outs this week are to Suzanne Marie and Alexandria. We are glad to have both of you guys listening. You bet. Our quote this week is from Voltaire. He said, doubt is not a pleasant state of mind, but certainty is absurd. Doubt. Say that again. Doubt is not a pleasant state of mind, but certainty is absurd. (laughs) I like that. Okay, I'll have to think about that. (laughs) It's going to hit him here in about 10 minutes. I'll have to think about that. Our discussion topic for today is this. In your opinion... Should we esteem what others say and write about Jesus equal to what he actually said? I'm going to say this. I wouldn't want someone to take what someone said or wrote down about me as equal to what I've said myself. Yeah, I, my answer would be no. I, I don't think we should. I don't think we should. I think that's part of the problem we're mm-hmm. in right now is we've made everything else in a particular book equal Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. to what Jesus said. Now, we're going to talk about this. So before you shut it off and you say, well, I believe it, so I'm not listening to it. Go ahead. Let's, let's see. Let's see if you've got an open mind here. Okay. Does that indicate, uh, uh, does that include also those who made the cut for the Bible? I just about gave that away already, didn't I? But, right? I mean, in other yes. words, that we should not esteem everything written about Jesus in the Bible equal to what he actually said. I agree. But I will also say this. When I used to read the Bible, I didn't even notice that there was commentary in there. Like even as they were writing about what Jesus said, they exactly the the writer commented on it. Yeah, but I didn't really associate that as being well. This is that writer's point of view because it was the Bible was divine. It was was all all just a single divine book. Do you agree with what Paul wrote when he said Christ is the visible image of the invisible God? I I do. But I felt like I might not by the end of this because I felt like he was setting me up for something. (laughs) No, no, there's no tricks here. I believe that. That's that's what started my, that was part of what my whole uh, evolution, spiritual evolution started when I read there in Colossians, I think it is, Mm -hmm. that Paul said, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. And you know what that shouted to me? Then I need to be looking to Christ, not what Paul said, not what. Exactly. Moses said, I need to be paying more attention. If he is the true visible image, 
then the other stuff is just stuff wrote about the invisible God. Mm-hmm. Right. Now we have a representative. That's what I. That's the way I looked at it. If we agree with Paul, then we have created a conflict that we must settle before we proceed, and that is how we deal with our enemies. The writers of the Old Testament implied that we are to deal with our enemies by killing them, oh, at God's command, of course. <laughs> and Jesus said exactly the opposite, that we are to love our enemies and do good to those that threaten us with harm. How do we, how do we see Jesus as a visible image of the invisible God and then still go back and say, but it was okay that they killed all those people? Kill them with kindness. <laughs> that was the best I could come up with. I'm sorry. I was proud of that joke at 11 o'clock last night. Yeah, it sounded a lot funnier then, didn't it? It sounded <laughs> a lot more deeper. Than, no, no, that, that is true. Think about that. We've got to settle that quandary then, right? Yes, we if do. Jesus, if what Jesus said and did takes precedence over everything else, and since, by the way, the Christian religion is supposed to be built around who? Jesus. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so. But I mean, it is, and I really hadn't put much thought into it until about, I guess it was about a year ago. I came across a woman who said that you cannot take the words of Jesus as being more holy or more true than the words of Paul. And I kind of stopped in my tracks and went, wait, what? Well, she just said openly what's in the mind. Yes. What's subliminally true put in the minds of the Christian people that this whole Bible, this whole book is divine. It's all the same. It all came from one same place. Right. So therefore it's all equal. Mm. And it was really hard to kind of process that because I didn't realize that I didn't, I guess, believe that anymore and that I'd probably been in a place where I did believe that. So it was kind of one of those eye opening woe moments for me. This is this that's this is one of the topics I kind of just put on Facebook just to see how people would react. I didn't get a lot of reaction. I got some thumbs up and stuff, but I didn't get a lot of reaction from people that actually wanted to even debate or and I don't do it for debate. Even, they didn't even want to present a thought on this. Right. I had a couple and thank you for you those of you that did. I appreciate you. Jesus said while speaking to the leaders of the Jewish religion, your law says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say love your enemies and return good for evil. First of all, should we put any emphasis on the fact that Jesus didn't refer to it as his law or his father's law or even the generic God's law? And that was something that even when I was very much steeped in the biblical divinity sort of thing that always bothered me that Jesus made a very clear Almost vindictive, sort of. No, your law says. But then he would turn around and show them how they were even er- in error of their own law. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He'd point out to them, you, you don't even. You, you don't. still don't get it. Yeah. Jesus, uh, well, when I quoted Jesus about loving our enemies and returning good for evil, I had an elderly teacher in an organized church to tell me that we couldn't use that approach in today's world. It, the world would eat us alive. Is that a fair representation of the lack of seriousness the modern organized church perceives of the teachings of Jesus? I think to a degree, and that makes me so sad. But I think it's also very indicative of how we just pick and choose what we want to believe out of this divine book that we put above everything else. But I'm going to follow this one, but this one's not important. You have to believe and follow everything that's in the Bible. But if you don't read the stuff that you don't agree with, then you can forget it was <laughs> or, in there. Or you can interpret it a different To mean way. what you want yeah, it to you mean. Can, yeah. Because if you're already going in there with a mindset, this is what I want to believe, you're going to find that you're going to find some support for that, right? Mm-hmm. If you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. That's it. 
If we dilute Jesus' teaching of God's unconditional love with the Old Testament image of God who is angry, vengeful, petty, and grudgeful, do we use it as an opportunity to decrease the impact of Jesus' teachings? Yeah, I I mean... I heard someone make a statement. I did not hear it. I read it on Facebook. I have to stop saying I heard it when I did not. (laughs) Yeah. I read on Facebook someone who made a statement that said that if Christians would all just start acting like Jesus, then God could go back to being God and smiting his enemies. And I'm going to be honest, it didn't really make me want to act like Jesus. God can go back to his business of smiting his enemies. And and the problem is that he's having to babysit us because we're not acting good like Jesus. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. Just when I thought. I know. I'd heard the farthest out. Okay. Why do you think we have so much trouble believing that the Jews' Old Testament perception of a God that was angry and had to be appeased, why do we have so much trouble realizing that that was a result of, a, of or accepting or even thinking about the idea that that was a result of the 400 years they were in slavery in Egypt, where this is how the Egyptian gods were perceived. The Egyptians had a God for everything, and if your crops failed, then you had failed to appease the crop God. <laughs> I guess uh, if, if you and your spouse were barren, then you or your spouse are both you had failed to appease the fertility god or the goddess. Now, this was the Egyptian perception. Yet, we can't seem to pick up on the similarities in the religion they developed once Moses brought them into the single god concept. See, Moses took them out of a multiple god concept and brought them into this single. So now... This we just one have god, one god with multiple personality yeah, he, disorder. Well, he's, the, he's, the, he's the crop god. He's the, yeah. he's the mm-hmm. fertility god, he, you see? But they still brought that same thing. We've got to appease them or we don't get good stuff. And we have trouble going back and looking at it because because we are God beyond the Bible. We have so much trouble believing this because we can't look beyond the Bible being divine. And if the entire Bible is divine, that has to be the way God was. And if it's not, then it calls everything into question so and it all the, comes crashing so, down. So then this Jesus being the visible image of the visible God, and he says, love your enemies. Don't don't kill your enemies. Love your enemies. Love them. Love them. Uh, so then he's the new improved God. He's less angry So he's evolving? Jesus. Is God evolving? I think that... <laughs> well, then he can't it's be loaded, the same yesterday, loaded, today, and forever. Well, say it's a loaded question. It is. Well, and I want to say, too, I think that we get into a lot of trouble because people say, I have faith. I have faith. I think we get confused on necessarily what faith is. I don't think faith is meant to be just blind faith. You accept what people tell you and move, you know. And I think in Christian circles, we're not taught. We're taught that if we ask questions, we're denying our faith. We are not being faithful, Mm -hmm. which is a win-win for the modern church. (laughs) I made a post on one of the Facebook groups. You guys know this. That said, man has created a God in his own image. Let me repeat that. Man has created a God little g in his own image petty angry judgmental unforgiving and vengeful do you think that's too harsh or is that warranted this this one was hard for me because we definitely have myself included i have been included in that but i don't think that we've necessarily done it intentionally i think it's been passed down and molded through so many years that we don't even realize we've done but, it. But how do you square that with Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God? I mean, True. Uh, then if God is love, unconditional love, he heals anybody, no matter 
what religion they are or what they stand for or how outcast a society they are. He has time for them. They're important to him. They're his creation, no matter what uh, race they are, no matter what gender they are. He has time. That's what Jesus presented, right? Right. Yeah. But you can't, you can't equate that with the God who's going to end the world by throwing everyone who doesn't believe in him. Which so means they're gonna, he's going to condemn them to hell. The ultimate end with God, people don't really look at it as he's going to save me. It's he's going to punish all these other people. Exactly. He's still angry. He's you, just biding his time. What is the matter with me? Is there something wrong with me when I find pleasure that someone else is going to suffer for a long, long time and they're going to suffer yeah, terrible it's anguish? Ego. Huh? It's called ego. Yeah. It's a lot. You'll get yours. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. We can build ourselves up by making other people but just Suffer. that thought, is that a godly thought? No. Even no. a godly thought that I want them to suffer and I'd boy, it'll bring me great pleasure just to know that they're going to really, that does that sound like Jesus at all? No, no it doesn't. It does <laughs> is the modern organized church paying the price for developing and preserving this image of an unapproachable God who is never satisfied with our attempts to appease his supernatural <laughs> anger? By paying the price, I mean people are just tired of never being good enough. So why even subject myself to this type of self-loathing, this type of thinking? I had a Do friend, you think that's where we are? I had a friend when I was in my late teens, early 20s that I would, you know, hey, do you want to go to church with me? Do you want to come? And she's like, I'm going to be honest with you at this point. I already know I'm going to hell. Why should I waste my Sundays at church if God's never going to be happy with me anyway? And those things are hard to hear. They are. But, you know, hey, that's probably somebody that had tried church. Obviously, they knew something about church. They had tried church, and they oh, yeah. never measured up because all those people seemed like they acted like they were measuring up, but I'm mm -hmm. not measuring up here for some reason. Well, and I think it's a double-edged sword, and it has created a huge divide because you either have the people who... Oh, me and Pew? Yeah, you have the people who feel like they have achieved this, yeah. you know, God's favor and they're somehow better. And then you have the people of why even bother, you know, sure. it's not worth it. And then you have the in-betweens that are like, I'm going to sit here and maybe get a couple points to take it <laughs> off. Yeah. Trayson mentioned that Thomas Jefferson put together his own Bible and I always thought it was his own translation interpretation of the Bible. But I recently read that. What he actually did was just basically cut out the passages where Jesus actually spoke and taught and put them together, and he discarded the rest. Now, without judging this as being right or wrong, or you know, did did you guys did you guys look at this to see if I was correct on it? I mean, yeah. I read this in a couple of places. Okay, uh, without judging whether Jefferson was right or wrong, might Jefferson have been motivated by the very topic we're discussing today, and that is elevating the rest of the Bible to the same status as what Jesus taught and said? And in fact, I said I understood the first thing he did is cut the Book of James out of his Bible. Really? Wow. I, I missed that part. Yeah. I, I mean, oh, I did, oh, so. he 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 discarded the Book of James right off the bat and said this is contrary to everything jesus stood for hmm. now you see where we are yes as we pointed out before even those who afterwards wrote about jesus often would add narrative to what jesus said now, i'm talking about the gospels <laughs> here the gospel writers matthew mark luke and john they would add a narrative to what jesus said and they would say things like jesus said that because and then they'd give us the reason that they thought jesus said that okay when we read that 
Do we tend to accept that as the final word on the, on the message Jesus was trying to convey? Therefore, again, we're unwitting victims of putting equal emphasis on what the writer interpreted Jesus to be saying as the actual words Jesus said. Does that make sense? It does. Because we do the same thing now. When Tavi's telling me a story and she's telling me, well, let me tell you what she said to them and then I'll tell you why she said it. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, we yeah. do that. Yeah. We do. So, yeah. Tavi is not only telling me what this person said, but she's giving me her interpretation. And, and if I'm you, influencing and the if way you're, that you're going to look at And that's exactly. fine. That's fine if Tabitha is infallible. Exactly. But I happen to know she's not. Let's just attack Tabitha. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why is it always Tabby? Uh, I think there's a good point to make here. As far as we know, we don't have any accounts of Jesus' activities that were recorded in real time. Am I correct on this? Yes. They were all written by memory, some possibly decades after his death. Yet, we still can't seem to factor any of that in when we read their accounts. The apologetics answer is that their memory was supernaturally controlled. Therefore, their humanity didn't play any role in their reasons for recording it. And yet they still couldn't all agree with each other. Well, and it's not just that. Think back to a conversation you had with someone even just 20 years ago. And the more, especially I think if it was a contentious conversation, the farther you get from it, the worse what, you know, what they said always is a little bit worse. It was a little bit more snarky. It was... Every time you remember it, and then those emotions get stronger and stronger. And I think it works the same way in anything. Any memory you have when you're calling it back. And and, and you're really not remembering the event. You're remembering the last time you remembered it. Exactly. And then it changes every time you remember because, it. Because, because if you, you remember you, one thing differently. You edited it in your mind. You added to it. You yep. took some out. Hey, I like it better this way. I like this story better. Mm-hmm. Your mind, you don't want to realize you were doing that. My mind likes this story a lot, but this fits a whole lot better to tell it this way. So the next time you tell it, how do you tell it? The new edited way. Yeah. Final question. Now, I, I, like I said, the apologetics folks are going to have to prove to me somehow. If I'm going to believe them, they're going to have to prove to me that these people were divine. Every one of these writers were divine in their own yes. right. They're going to have to show me how they were divine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the final question, in light of our recent discussions on this topic, in your opinion, does elevating the rest of the Bible to a status equal with what Jesus taught and said had a negative impact on the organized Christian religion, and is it playing a role in the decline of the church? That's a loaded question, of course. I'm going to go with Mahatma Gandhi on this one. I like your Jesus. It's your Christians I do not like. <laughs> what? I had a basically an atheist tell me the same thing. He told me, he said... I admire, I respect, in fact, I believe in the things that, in Jesus' attitude toward things and what he said. And he said basically the same thing. It's the religion built around him that I can't be a part of. Yeah. And that was an atheist speaking to me. Well, anything else? As always, till next time, may God's unconditional grace, peace, and love be on, in, and radiate out from each of you, our fellow listeners, from all of us here, our fellow seekers, I should say, not just listeners, fellow seekers from all of us here at God Beyond the Bible. Did you enjoy listening to God Beyond the Bible? Do you have an idea for an episode? Connect with us today. 
visit our website at godbeyondthebible.com, all one word, or send us an email at email at godbeyondthebible.com, or you can visit us on Facebook. Just type God Beyond the Bible into the search bar.